You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And today we have a friend of mine, a special guest, uh, was on his podcast not too long ago as well, Philly Keels. And uh, I'm sure if you're following the commercial real estate industry uh, on social media, I'm sure his, his name has popped up. So uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to, to have Billy here today. And we're going to talk about his uh, experience in, in the, the corporate world um, and then also his experience in multifamily um, and just general real estate and general investing as well, and, and how he's able to to do that uh, with such um, uh, limited time and, and limited resources in, in this world. How he's able to kind of uh, pull that apart and and you know have time to invest and and work and um, want to learn more about how he was able to do that in his company and his podcast. So thanks for coming on, Billy. Hey, Anthony, it's uh, it's really nice to be here with you, man, and, and looking forward to sharing a conversation, uh, another conversation, I guess I should say, of multiple conversations we've had. And uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, you were on our podcast, the Going Long podcast with Billy Keels, episode 47. So I believe your entire tribe should uh, go over there because you left lots and lots of gems, uh, really helping people to, to, to understand uh, more about markets and multifamily. So uh, yeah, I would definitely say that. And if I can, I would also say, because you are doing such an amazing job of consistent releasing these types of episodes, I would ask your uh, audience also too, just to, to be able to show you some love and also make sure that uh, that you're leaving reviews. As a fellow podcaster who's getting started, um, I know that it's something that's really, really important. So um, yeah, if I can, I know I haven't delivered anything yet, but I'm just asking your uh, your, your family, your tribe to uh, to also show you some love, man. Thank you. We appreciate that. It helps, uh, it helps us grow and helps us survive. So uh, and please rate Billy's podcast as well and review it on iTunes. Cool. So yeah, man. Um, so you you mentioned a, a couple of things in the beginning. So being able to have this conversation, um, I guess probably the thing that most people will will know me for is I'm the guy who lives in Spain, and I invest 100% as of today uh, in U.S. based real estate or real assets. And so I also I never planned on being in Europe doing this kind of thing. It started out on a one year sabbatical about 20 years ago. Uh, I've since traveled or I lived, I started this whole thing in Paris, France and went from Paris to uh, to Italy. Uh, as you know, we talked about this. I was living in Italy for uh, quite a while and then I've been in Spain for the last 15 years. And so um, always having worked a W-2, so I'm a high wage earner. So one of those people that, uh, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about. Uh, I understand that person because I am that person. A very demanding corporate job. And I work in sales and have worked in sales leadership uh, across Europe, Middle East, and Africa, also marketing on a global uh, basis, and really fell in love with real estate out of some frustration because I was doing everything that I was told. I'm kind of like that recovering perfectionist A student where I was, you know, I got the two college degrees and I was moving up the ladder. And uh, in 2000, my, my portfolio took a hit. And then in 2008, my portfolio took another hit and I lost about 33% of my portfolio. And so I was just really frustrated because I was like, look, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I knew about the one investing quote unquote uh, outlet that there was, and I was doing it. And the only thing that I heard from people was, oh, you know what, just hang on, just wait it out. You know, you're going to, it'll come back, give it a little bit of time, some dollar cost averaging stuff. And then market always comes back. 
and if it comes back every seven years or eight years, and then I have to start over from zero, like that got to be super frustrating. Um, and so that led me to the little purple book. Uh, I was one on one of my flights back from the United States. Um, and I actually finished it. It was the second time I picked it up actually. And then I was just kind of like, my whole mind was just completely like blown up. Cause I just could not understand that this was even possible. Cause I didn't grow up with anybody who was uh, anywhere near real estate. And so that kind of started the love affair, man. And I started, I thought I was going to buy property here in uh, Spain. And uh, to date it's all been based in the United States. So, and I'm really, really enjoying that. That's great. And so I guess a couple of questions, but my first one would be is why, just on a macro level, you're in Spain and, and I, I understand you're basically a world traveler. I mean, you've probably been to almost every single country, right? I think I've heard well, you on I, Yeah, there's, there's still some that I've, that I've not yeah. been. I've been very fortunate. Man. Like, so I've lived in three European countries over the last 20 years, but I've also worked and traveled throughout some 86 different countries and I've picked up in another, another four languages. So aside from the English and a lot of the Brits say it's American English, so that's fine. Maybe there are two, uh, but then also Italian, Spanish, uh, Catalan, and French. And so Catalan Excellent. is the, the language that they speak here uh, in the area where I live in, in Barcelona. So Okay. Um, so I guess, why not invest locally in Spain and why invest in the U.S.? And also just to follow up on that, how are you able to do that? You know, most people, you know, for using me as an example, let's just say, I'm based on the East Coast. I know you have some family in New Jersey, which is where I'm yep. based. Yep. And let's say they want to invest in uh, Nevada, right? They're scared to do that. And you're in the same country. You can hop on a plane and get there in maybe four hours, maybe a little bit longer than that. But um, how are you able to stomach that? And you're in a different country. You're investing outside the country. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there are a number of things there, right? Number one, I, so when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I was kind of like, oh, this is really cool. I can get control over my financial life. I can buy these properties and I can get two or $300 a month per door. And I was like, oh, dude, this is going to be awesome. Cause I was comparing that to what I was receiving inconsistently from my portfolio and the stocks that I kind of put a couple, bet on a couple stocks here and there. And I do say bet because I didn't really know anything about it. And I was just putting money there. But the thing that happened, Anthony was, when I started looking at the actual returns on my local market, like where I lived here, like it wasn't 200 bucks. Like it wasn't even anywhere close to that. Like it was, I was paying to buy the property for what I could rent it for. So it was definitely, and this is kind of when I started learning, like one thing is the theory that you see in the books. And then the other thing is like, what's the reality and how do you make it? How do you make the reality from the, come from this whole theoretical kind of framework? And, and because I could not actually see the cash flow and that's what I was really focused on. Like I wanted real estate to be able to provide cash flow, and I couldn't find it here. And so then I started looking at these other cities and outside of Spain. And then I didn't, I got a little bit frustrated because I didn't really understand when they would explain to me kind of like the local um, legal rules. And it was completely opposite of what I know back in the United States. And I'm like, well, this is much more complicated to get a similar or lesser result. And so then I got this really frustration. And, but then I had friends here that were like, well, eventually, they're, Billy, you're, you're a U.S. citizen. Like, why don't you just buy back in the United States? And my whole thing was, well, there's like 10,000 kilometers between where we live or 10,000 miles, right, between where we live in Spain and even the east coast of the United States. But I also had the sense enough to listen to these friends because multiple people told me that. And then that is actually what led me to once again, going long distance and going to invest in the United States, because it didn't make sense for my situation and what I was looking for real, real estate to provide me, which was cash flow. 
And so, um, so hopefully that makes sense why I decided to go what I consider long distance. And that's what I continue to do. And that's what I want to help other people uh, to do. Um, because there is this, there is this um, idea that you can only invest in your backyard. And I believe that to, well, I personally don't believe that that's the case. Like I believe, especially if you're a high wage earner and what you're really interested in is making sure that your capital is constantly moving. What I think it's important for you to be able to do is understand like where is the location that's going to give you the result that you're looking for. Like if you're looking for cash flow, then you should look for those locations or some would say cities or MSAs that can provide you with that. Like if you're looking for cash flow, don't go to Barcelona, Spain. Don't go to New York City. Don't go to Los Angeles. You know, like you, you go to the locations or the cities that actually can provide you with that. And then most importantly, and this is why I say a lot for the high wage earners, especially those people that are, are, are retirees, because I tend to work with a lot of retirees at this point, is who is the team? Like the team is, is something completely different. Like I believe that the team, yes, does need to be very local. They need to be hyper local and they need to understand that specific location, like nobody's business. If you're looking to invest, and this is where the whole long distance investing philosophy comes from is really, you know, you, you invest wherever you want because you like your day job or maybe you don't, but you're making a lot of money and you've gotten used to that. And, and so then it's about how do you put the systems in place to say, all right, well, this is what you're trying. This is what you want to be able to do from real estate, which is cash flow appreciation. Are you looking for tax benefits after that? Go to the location that can provide you those things and then really make sure that the team does know the backyard. Like they have to know the location because you depend on them as in a lot of times, Anthony, you know this better than anyone in, in all of your audience that is listening to you. I know this probably sounds like I'm being redundant because they know it as well, but um, afterwards it's about making sure that um, your team then can find the right opportunity, right? And whether that is a 72 unit apartment building, of uh, 250 apartment building, they are super hyper, um, you know, it's, it's, it's like you guys, you, you know every single thing as an operator because it's just what you do. That's how you add more value uh, to everybody. So whether you're in Barcelona looking to purchase in New Jersey or you're in New Jersey looking to purchase in Nevada, be clear on what it is that you want, make sure you find the location and you definitely better make sure that you are hyper, hyper, uh, understanding that your team understands the local location and then they can help bring whatever um, specific opportunity is into the portfolio that helps to keep your currency or your money always on the treadmill. Yeah, no, that, this is all great information, Billy. So you talked a lot about the why and a little bit on the, the how. So can we, let's talk a little bit more about the how specific to you. So how are you, Billy Keels, able to, how have you been investing in uh, the United States? Uh, are you teaming up with um, other operators. How are you able to do that? Like, like you mentioned a little bit. Yeah. So this is, and also let's just share a little bit about me. Cause one of the things I, that I was, um, you know, and, and people, you, you may have heard this, that you, you don't mix friends and money or you don't mix family and money. Like I've seen family members fall out forever and not really because over money. Right. And so um, initially because I'm a highway journer and I was doing my thing and I needed to have capital. I invested actively myself. So every single property that I was purchasing, which are always smaller multifamily, I've also bought a mobile home park, got into some other uh, alternative investments uh, that I was doing actively, right? Um, that my company was owning. And so the way that I went about owning those actively, um, Anthony, was really just kind of like, first of all, building relationships with people. In the beginning, it was just, I had the money and I knew where my family was. And so I just made a decision said, I have money and family's there. So if everything kind of gets all messed up, at least the fam my family can go bail me out. 
and that was in the beginning because I just had money and that's what was happening. I've evolved a lot since then because now I actually have a, a process in place. But, and, and maybe I'll, I'll tell a little bit more about the kind of like the passive part because what I didn't know is that you could actually invest passively with other people and keep your capital working. And so when I found this world out, it was also a matter of, um, well, it kind of is both, but I'll, I'll kind of tell you what the what the passive investment it was basically being able to find and network and meet people, um, whether that was through groups online or through when I was because I would fly back pretty typically to the United States a couple of times a year to go and meet people at different networking events, as you would call them. And so then I was always interested having a good conversation, following up with that conversation. Then after the conversation, it was a matter of very tactical steps, right? You, you're making phone calls, you're on WhatsApp, you're then having a Zoom call and you're talking about their different philosophies and you're, te- you're, you're vetting, right? Not just building a relationship, but you're also wanting to understand the syndicator, the person that's bringing the capital together. And then most importantly, who is the operator? Is it one in the same? Is it someone different? And then asking the questions, understanding how, you know, how long have they been in this particular location? How many types of, uh, how many units are they currently um, operating or managing? What do those units look like? What type of asset is it? And just really to get to understand that that person is going to be a really good steward, potentially, of my capital. Um, and, And it's just from there. And then once all of those things work out, then we take a lot of those feelings and things that we're having. And eventually when it started to make sense as a passive investor as well, was to say, okay, well, I want to get all of these kind of uh, emotions, feelings written up on a, on a contract, and I'm going to pass my capital to you and entrust it to you as a syndicator, as well as the operator who's going to be operating the property and managing my dreams over a period of time and whatever that period of time uh, is, right? Everybody's is, is different as you know, but, but that's kind of like the, the, the philosophy, but it's just like any other relationship. It starts at a certain point where there's an engagement and then you just little by little, if it makes sense for both parties, you both continue to invest in the relationship to the point that it culminates in uh, transferring of funds and then they're delivering on their promise as an operator and as a syndicator. So hopefully that, uh, hopefully that helps. Definitely. So you talked about active and passive investing. Did you, you think you went down the right path in terms of starting out active with the smaller deals and then going to the passive? Because I see a lot of people actually start out passive and then they go active. So you kind of did it the reverse. I was very similar trajectory to you. I'm still active and passive, but uh, what would you say in regards to, to that? Yeah, Anthony, for me, my situation, it was the right thing. Cause I'm also someone um, and probably a lot like you, I like control, right? It's just in my DNA. And so that was what I needed. I don't know if I would have felt really comfortable in trusting, you know, a, a large cap, you know, six figures to somebody else if I've not done it myself. Uh, in the same way that I didn't accept anyone else's capital unless I'd actually done it myself. And that's still a philosophy that I live by today. So for me, in my situation, it was absolutely the right thing to get started actively. Sometimes, you know, there may be people, and I'm sure you know a lot of them, like like I do, that they would rather say, hey, look, I want to place my capital here. I want to see what the process is like. I want to see what it's like to be on the on the other end of, you know, syndication. And then some people find that they really like that because they like doing their day job. They don't want to keep doing that. They're tired of depending on the stock market and their 401k and all that kind of stuff. And they find this new vehicle and they're like, wow, you know what? And they found a syndicator. They found an operator that they trusted one time and they've since been delivering and delivering and delivering on their promise. Then they're like, well, you know what? I'd rather just be a passive investor the whole time. I don't actually even need to get into this active thing. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And especially the active part of it 
it comes with a lot of experience and, and knowledge that, you know, someone would have to almost relearn. And it's almost like a new career. So um, that's another benefit to, to being on the passive side for sure. Yeah, um, definitely. So- Sorry, there's, there's just one thing I was going to say maybe as well. Like sometimes when you start realizing actively, just to, what you're talking about and, and what your audience is, is used to hearing is there's also another R uh, that goes with the um, with active, actively investing in, op, in, in operating or syndicating funds is responsibility. And sometimes people are not, they don't really want the responsibility because it's, I mean, it's a huge deal if you decide, hey, listen, you know what, we're going to bring in a, uh, 1 million, 2 million, $5 million as part of an overall, you know, $20 million plan or something like that. Some people just don't want to have that responsibility. So when they realize that they could be moving in that direction, they just say, you know what, I'm just happy to go a hundred, 200,000 at a time and, you know, and feel much more comfortable. Right. So, right. No. And we, and we see that all the time. So, uh, so Billy, so, so what are you working on now? So obviously you built a, a brand, um, you have your podcast and you've invested that, you know, primarily in multifamily. I know you got some other things going on. So I'd love to discuss that part as well. Yeah, sure. And and as you said, I mean, the foundation really has been multifamily, right? And, and those are multifamily from the smallest two multifamily units to as large as 252 units. I'm also been involved in, in development projects as well. Uh, as a passive investor, it was a hotel thing that we're still hopefully it's going to work out sometime soon. But that's also part of it, right? And, and that's what we're going into. Um, and I guess as a long distance investor, one of the things that I've really become just passionate about, especially, like I said, you know, working with, with, with highway journeys is saying, Hey, look, typically people want to make sure that not only are they creating returns on their capital, but they're also um, right-sizing their tax obligation, right? So making sure that they're paying as little tax as possible legally. And so one of the things that has, that I've been involved with recently, there's, there's some things that I've done passively uh, on the ATM side of things, which is, which is very interesting as a, as a passive investment and also actively investing, which is something that I hadn't really thought about. But when you go around and you're meeting operators and you're forging relationships and building relationships over time, and sometimes this takes two, three years, um, is around equipment for energy. Uh, so large pieces of equipment uh, for energy, which you'd probably think, well, what in the world? Well, why would that even be interesting? But the thing is, it's a tangible asset, right? It's something that you can actually go out and touch and feel and see. And when you understand that there are very large energy companies that will, rather than getting into the business of making equipment, they will actually lease that equipment from you. Uh, And then you have really powerful uh, things like bonus depreciation, and that could change in terms of the way that um, today it's still at 100% bonus depreciation. And that's really, really interesting for people that are that are looking to right-size their tax obligation. And then when you can also have this type of investment work against active income or ordinary income or earned income, then it becomes really, really interesting for people who are high wage earners who are looking to create double digit returns and also be able to, uh, well, have some tax credits against their active income. And this has been one of the things that's really drawn uh, my attention and something that, uh, yeah, had I not been out and networking and meeting other people that I would have probably never had the interest sparked. And then I would not have started really learning and understanding more about the energy sector as well. That is really interesting because a lot of times, especially in the, the multifamily uh, deals, you know, for example, that my company Red Knight acquires, we'll do what's called the cost segregation uh, for our listeners. It's basically breaking out personal property versus, you know, building. And you're able to accelerate depreciation and get certain tax legal tax benefits to that. Um, but it's typically 
you can write off against other passive income if you're not a real estate professional. So that's very curious to hear that the energy sector might be considered active, um, even if you're a passive investor. Is that what you're saying, Billy? It, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. And so I guess a, a, just so as you would say, Anthony, right, there, there's, of course, everybody needs to speak with their tax professional and they need to understand their specific right. situation. Because as you mentioned, like we're, I'm here, we're, I'm here and we're talking about examples. We're not giving anybody type any type of advice or any of that, uh, any of that kind of stuff. So um, and, and to your point, Anthony, a lot of times uh, what you will see, unless you are a, tech, a um, real estate professional, that those passive losses really can help against passive income. Um, and this, the way that this is structured, what we've been doing is you, you can be a, an active employee, then you're having earned income, or maybe you have um, a couple million dollars in your 401k or your IRA and you're over 59 and a half, and you want to be able to access that without having the, the, the tax uh, obligation against your active income this is the type of opportunity that will allow you to do that. And so it's something that has been really, really interesting. Very interesting. No, it yeah. sounds like I'm going to look at it myself now. Spark my interest. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you got the multifamily ATMs. Did you mention mobile home as well? I did. Yes, I did okay. mention a mobile home park. So I own a mobile home park um, just outside of the Charlotte MSA. And, you know, Anthony, it wasn't something that I really wanted to do. And this is, you know, one of the things we talked about earlier was the importance of team and really your team understanding what it is that you're looking for as an investor or what your investors are looking for, and then being able to tie that into a specific opportunity. And I did not actually want the mobile home park because I kind of had all these kind of things in my mind about, no, I didn't want to do this. And I was thinking of cops and all these kind of issues yeah. that were going to happen. And had it not been for the strong relationship that I have right with the broker and, and, and the broker really being um, persistent and saying, look, you told me you're looking for cash flow and you told me you're looking for tax benefits and you told me this and that. And just really persistent. We were actually able to, to, to broker a, a deal with, uh, with seller financing. So it actually has become one of the best active parts of my portfolio. Um, and, and, you know, if I wouldn't have trusted in that relationship, I would not even be here today. We wouldn't be able to, to be doing the things that we're doing. And so um, that mobile home park is something that I'm, uh, I personally like, and it's something that, uh, that my investors are, are excited about as well. So, and it, and it also falls into the multifamily space, right? Just a little bit, uh, a little bit different, not a, not a multifamily apartment complex, but multifamily living and dwelling. Yeah, definitely a lot different. So what's next in 2020 for Billy Keels? I'm sorry, 2021. 20, yeah. 2020. <laughs> 2020, <laughs> 2020 yeah. 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 the same. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> so better. We finished one thing and we're getting ready to start, but it's, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Yeah. Um, so 2021 right now is really the, you know, I want to continue to to expand uh, the business, really want to really get past this, these scaling pains. Uh, I'm sure that you can, you can relate to that and making sure that our, our, our processes are and processes are much better and efficient so that we can actually get out and, and connect with more people. Uh, I've got a lot of energy, uh, no pun intended, right now uh, around the uh, the most recent part of the portfolio that we're bringing to our, um, to our investors because it's just something that they have not really had access to. Um, because this is really doing something, like I said, in the, in the energy space that doesn't seem to have the, the same amount of quote unquote risk uh, and can provide lots of, uh, lots of tax benefits for high wage earners. So there's a lot of energy there um, and, and really continuing to get out and, and meet uh, great people like yourself and, uh, and build, build bridges, man. That's really the, the focus for 2021. And I would really love to be able to travel <laughs> and get out and meet people face to face. So. That's right. You, you and I both. Uh, how can people find you, Billy? The best way. 
Yeah. So the best way absolutely would, number one, I would say, um, go to, you can check us out on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me Billy Keels. Um, I'm the only Billy Keels in Barcelona, Spain. Just do me a favor. Definitely let me know that you were listening and heard or watched Anthony and I here. It just helps me to, to know that, uh, you know, Hey, listen, Anthony was great. We've got a lot of people that connected with us and it gives us a point of reference. Uh, number one, uh, also people can go to billykeels.com. Uh, if anyone wants to speak to me and just kind of to have a chat and go to bit.ly bit.ly forward slash speak with Billy. Uh, and lastly, if anyone wants to learn a little bit more about long distance investing, kind of based on the experience that I've had, you can go to grow your money, the smart way.com. Uh, leave your name, your email address. I'll send you out that book and also allow you to uh, give you the opportunity to connect with, uh, with our community as well. So, um, and anything else I would, I'll send over to you, Anthony, and um, maybe you can have those included in the show notes. Absolutely. No, we're going to put everything you mentioned at the end of the show in our show notes on iTunes and on all our social media platforms as well. So we appreciate you plugging those in right now. So Billy, as we we wrap down the show, just want to say thank you again for coming on. And as Billy mentioned in the beginning, if you don't mind, listener, if you can please go to iTunes and give us a rating and review, it would help Billy and my message get out to a, a greater audience. So we would appreciate that. So Thanks again, Billy, for coming on. We'd we'd love to have you on again towards the later part of of this year as it starts to get better. So uh, we're very excited to uh, learn where you started and, you know, kind of your process and what you're looking for moving forward. So I definitely want to follow up with you on how everything went. All right. Thanks, Anthony. I really appreciate the opportunity to share with you and, uh, and uh, and your tribe. Thank you so much. Thank you.